1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: We now present Many Hills, for Deep Thoughts on the Ride with
2: Royce. This is supposed to be a uh, low news weekend, but it wasn't. Once again, it was not. There is not such a thing anymore in the sports world in the Twin Cities as a low news sports weekend. Would Correct. you, I mean... I'm sure you were fixated on the X Games, but uh, we had all kinds <laughs> of other things uh, going on. By the way, I saw the traffic heading towards the X Games on uh, Saturday after uh, Sunday afternoon, and there were a lot of people going down there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, after- I actually dipped in a little bit. It's not part of my fourth deep thoughts, mm-hmm. but I did dip into the uh, X Games a little bit on Saturday. It's uh, they, they have some nice crowds out there at the uh, Taj Mahziki, so. and uh, they're going to be back. Yep. All right, here is thought number one, and I wanted this to be number one, Patrick, and I thought of you because I wanted you to get, I wanted to get you riled up for the okay. show already, so right. go ahead.
2: Yes! Line to go center field, and yes! a miss!
0: A diving miss by Cave. Go through! Butara is to third. On, Mike Churchill is going to
1: win home.
2: He go is safe! With it inside the park. And it's the bad, bad enough the twins. It's bad enough. Okay, Ryan LaFever giving a very professional uh, call there, but it was at that, that idiot Rex Hudler bass screaming in the background.
1: I think it might have been. I don't know who who uh, Ryan's car
2: guy is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that thought that was audio it.
0: for my house because I was cheering for Drew to get it inside the park. <laughs> Why home on, too. By that, oh uh, god, yeah. yeah, come on. No, well. I,
2: I, I, as I say, I gave up on him when I heard they lost. They didn't get swept by Kansas City, but they were ahead three to two when this mm-hmm. occurred. Mm-hmm. And this was a three run inside the park home run. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. My guy, Jay Cave. I'm giving up on him too. I was on his bandwagon <laughs> two weeks ago, but it was hell. tough to
0: fault him though because he did
2: almost make the Dragon. catch.
0: But yeah, it. Was just a perfect exclamation point on
2: Almost the Almost ain't close enough, baby, mm-hmm. when it, it, you're playing Kansas City. Kansas City's <laughs> first series victory since early May.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Not sweep. First series they've won since early May.
1: Wow. Doesn't it just kind of, something like that, just sort of sum up the season as a whole, though? Yes. Like it just. Yes, it does. I mean, it's. It, just it, We've it's now gross.
2: bookended. We've bookended. Zach Duke failing to touch first base to lose a game mm-hmm. with a Drew guy getting Drew Brutera and inside the park three run home. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Yes, uh, you dude, you got me riled up. Thanks a lot. I haven't had the guts to look at it. I can't stand to look at it. That's uh, it's how how the what's wrong with you guys? You were eight and two on the homestand, a walk off grand slam. And your momentum is to go in and lose three straight to Kansas City, and they got three hits yesterday. Three, three hits.
0: They have Kansas City has thirty victories, six against six, our boys. Wow. You know
2: why? They're better than the Twins. <laughs> They're better than the Twins. They stink. and They're better than the Twins.
1: <laughs> Number two.
3: And the fans welcoming Josh Hader back to Miller Park. That's in there for a strike, and Hader. Gets the backwards
1: king. Okay, wow. I don't want to spend this segment <laughs> rallying on this kid because I've kind of moved past it. But He's apologized. He's but, done
2: all the things.
1: But but Brewers fans, come on. The standing don't, o? Don't, 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 don't. I mean, come on. You stand- don't give the guy a standing ovation like he's some sort of conquering hero coming back, you know, post-All-Star break from this just... Savage beating that he took on social media, like just enough, just it's just ridiculous. And and well, it's Keith just,
2: Hernandez coming back from cocaine, you know, standing no oh, fifty thousand people in I that for- stadium, in, uh,
0: in Shea stadium. I forget yeah. what it's- player did this. So I, I, but it was so perfect. It was an NFL player that retweeted it and said. God forbid he kneeled during the anthem. <laughs> right,
2: <laughs> yeah, it was right. so perfect. Yeah. It oh, was yeah. so perfect. Oh yeah, there's, you know if it, that'll never happen. If, if Kaepernick gets back in the league and starts a game, they're not going to greet him with a standing no. ovation because right. he knelt during the anthem. Oh yeah, but yeah, it's uh, I. It, it was an embarrassment, but there's so much of that in sports. Well, remember Ray Rice before the video came out mm-hmm. that. They were interviewing all those Ravens fans and saying, well, you know, he should be playing. You know, there was a protest out there that they wanted Ray back, right? Yeah.
1: And, it's then, uh,
2: and then the video came out.
1: Sports and fans. And took care of that. Yeah, hey, All right. Uh, number three. With Montreal on the other side of this bottoming out, having already gone through three quarterbacks, the one thing we do know now is that Manziel showing up there means we're going to get to see him play. And so if you are a prospective NFL team, if you're someone who thought maybe he has some gas left in the tank, if you're someone who's just been following this along from a human interest standpoint, you're finally going to get some sort of payoff to this experiment of Johnny ending up in Canada. Alright, that's Mike Golick Jr. from this morning on Golick and Wingo. And uh, Johnny Manziel was traded from Hamilton who he never saw the field for because no, that Masoli Jeremiah was- Masoli was starting. And uh, he's going to Montreal who is coached by former Packers head coach Mike Sherman, who I recu-
2: thought I saw him on the sideline, and I kept yeah. saying that can't be Sherman. It's it's they Mike stink, Sherman, right?
1: And he he uh, yes, they're they're terrible. They're the worst team in the league. Basically, the offense is terrible. They've gone through a bunch of different quarterbacks, and, and Mike Sherman, hurt, right? Yep. Mike Sherman recruited Johnny Manziel to Texas A&M. Yeah, that's right. And then he got fired. Then he got fired the next year because Johnny redshirted his true freshman year, uh, Sherman's last year at A&M. So... Uh, Manziel figures this. to probably play. Yeah, I would well, imagine. Why not? Why yeah. not? What the
2: hell? They got They're to terrible those? anyway. So and by the throw way, uh, I, uh, to Mike, I'd like to say to Mike Garlick Jr. Yes, he does have some gas left in the tank. <laughs> he hasn't used any of it. Yeah, right? He's 25, he hasn't used any. He's barely gas. played. Yeah, he's played 15 minutes. He's got gas. We don't know if he's got anything else, but he's got gas in the
1: tank. Side note, too, on this story, and you guys will like this: the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Have offered one hundred dollar gift cards to anybody who bought a Johnny Manziel jersey. All they have to do is bring the jersey mm-hmm. in, and they can give uh, the fan a hundred dollar uh, gift card to it's, whatever isn't that, whatever they want. Is that June
2: Jones's team? Hamilton? Yes, Hamilton. Yeah. Yep, yeah, June Jones. I mean, yeah.
1: Yep. All right. Hey,
2: what is this? An old folks' home for coaches? Mike Sherman, <laughs> June Jones. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Well, Mark Tressman, our guy, Mark yeah, Tressman, he's, he's coaching in, Toronto, in Toronto so. now
2: after winning big with the Alouettes.
1: Yep. All right. Number four.
3: Uh, a little ticked off at of myself for sure. Uh, I had a chance starting that back nine to uh, to do something and I didn't do it. Unfortunately, I hit uh, a bad three and off the tee there at, at ten. Grass grab, grabbed my shaft again and hit it left, and
4: hmm.
3: I made a couple mistakes there on the green. Tiger's back!
1: Yes. Tiger's back! <laughs> that was the big look,
2: story look on Twitter yesterday. Tiger's yeah. back! <laughs> Half, a Freezing cold takes, I had to put out a special
1: edition. Oh, I yeah. bet! <laughs> yeah, pretty much everybody from Skip Bayless to uh, just about Skip? everybody else. What was Skip? Skip said uh, at 10.41 a.m. yesterday. Oh, God. Tiger might have just won his first major in 10 years with the shot of the tournament. A sink or swim gamble out of the fairway pot bunker at 10. Power launching a wedge... Up over the lip and the burn to the front of the green. The shot heard around the world. <laughs> yeah. And then there was another one shot heard around
2: the world when he hit it into the junk.
1: Yeah on the on next so, box. I
2: know golf
0: doesn't need Tiger, but that was pretty fun yesterday watching him
1: Yeah. You know? It was cool yeah, seeing was him fun. seeing him in the mix, but, but just uh, everybody after his, his first problem, nine holes,
2: right? he no longer feels invincible. That's his problem. Mm-hmm. When he's he's he has doubts. Yeah, And when he was great, he never had any doubts. He's got doubts now. Yep. All right. Now he's with the rest of us. We, yes, all, have right. we all have doubts. <laughs> all righty. Uh, Manny Hills, four deep thoughts. We'll be back. Uh, we're going to talk with uh, Courtney Cronin about the uh, untimely death of uh, Tony Sperano, the offensive line coach for the Minnesota Vikings. Tony Cronin covers the Vikings for ESPN.com after a long, arduous uh, term with uh, Matthew Collar. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I saw your tweet uh, when you first heard the news of Tony Sperano's death, and you pointed out it was the last conversation you had at minicamp was with Tony. Yeah,
4: um, pretty surreal. I had just actually transcribed an interview that I did with him. Uh, it's for that larger I like think I told you on Friday this larger story I'm working on about John Filippo and most of it was about their time together in Oakland. Um, I had just transcribed the interview a few days before so pretty surreal to I've just kind of heard his voice and you know he was you know that'll be my lasting impression of him just how gracious he was with his time and you know had a great conversation with him there at the end of June and you know it's just a reminder of how fragile life is where you see somebody one day and then they might not be around the next. Courtney, assistant coaches
2: in the NFL have a, a lot of them have a tendency to be a little uh, cautious when they're talking to reporters, suspicious, or they just don't want to say anything. That uh, even if they're allowed to talk, they don't really want to say much. Uh, was he? Uh, uh, he had that grouchy uh, exterior, but that apparently was not him.
4: Yeah, no, I mean Tony's a teddy bear, and, and um. uh, several coaches that I talked to. Said the exact same thing. Um, you know, when you, you talk about you know guys on the staff and you know personalities. I mean, Tony was gruff on the outside, on the exterior, kind of had that no nonsense East Coast type attitude. And when you talk to him, you always feel like you learn something. Um, I did a story on Pat Elfline right ahead of the NFC Championship, and just oh how critical he was in the development of the offensive line and you know the run game last year, and just really. Everything that that unit went through, it all started right there at center, and, and the tremendous work that Outline did, and some of the stories Tony was relaying to me, where you know he had him in a room last year during training camp, and you know once everybody left, uh, you know closed the door and said, I guess it was just kind of a rough day for everybody involved, and he said, you know, do you really want to be here? I mean, you can go home, uh-huh. you can't? But you know, I said, do you really want to be here? Because you need to start, basically, like. Voice, you know, be a leader on this line. I mean, you're going to be the quarterback of this line every single game. Uh, you need to start being more vocal here. And also kind of got a little irritated with him to, from what Tony told me and said, yeah, of course I want to be, you know, here and I want to have this job. And I think that just goes to show it's one of the many examples of how Sperano was able to get the most out of every single guy that he coached, especially these offensive linemen, you know, You're going to gain respect with these guys. You know, you gain respect with the guys who are in the trenches, the guys who are getting these, you know, have these thankless jobs in the NFL. Um, And and that's really been his mo everywhere he's been, at least you know, to my understanding. I think the the video that really sums that up the best was when Donald Penn, the Raiders left tackle, after you know they won that Thursday night game against the Chiefs in 2014, snapping the 0 and 10 start, uh, handed him the game ball and. You know those guys respected Tony. There was not one person you talked to, especially of his position, guys, that didn't view him as somebody who you know had their best interest in mind.
2: And uh, in, in, with most uh, football teams, NFL, college, wherever it is, the offensive lineman. And their coach have a complete, they're, they're off on their own more than any other group as far as personality wise, as far as the way they uh, uh, deal with the media is, you know, it's a different group, obviously, because they have to be both rugged. And extremely technical, and they are the, you know, if they block some guy all day long, they get no credit. And if they give up a sack, they're all idiots. And it's a, it's a completely different animal in the relationship they have with their coach.
4: Oh, totally. I mean, they're they're the thankless unit. When When something goes wrong, they get blamed. And when something goes right, you're typically looking at the running back who broke off a big run or the receiver who had time to get open uh because his quarterback was you know had to come back in the pocket to throw to him. I mean, it's 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 a thankless position. It very much embodied. And Tony Tony had been a coordinator. the interesting thing with him is he was a coordinator after he was a head coach. um and he had you know been a position coach with with nine different teams. he's He's you uh, know had different jobs. and you know, I think the offensive line truly embodies everything about him, blue collar, hard-working you know even after the whole thing that happened with the Raiders where the interim tag was there um, you know, heard a story relayed to us today from, from a reporter out in Oakland that he showed up every single day to work despite when all this stuff was going on when Mark Davis and Reggie McKenzie were trying to get the hire right and they ended up going with Jack Del Rio um, Sperano showed up every day until his contract expired and I mean that's that's the true hard-nosed type of guy that he was where valued what he did and I mean, even as Mike Zimmer said it in the statement yesterday, he's a true grinder and he really valued what he did with his job and, and put 100% into it.
2: Uh, my uh, example with offensive linemen and their coaches has always been Alex Gibbs out out in uh, Denver, where uh, mm-hmm. they they had a whole deal. You know, there were some ex Vikings on there, and I knew them, and, and got, managed to get to talk to him once, which was impossible. But they had the whole no interview thing, and they're all in it together, and uh, they always have the fine system and the whole thing. It is uh, it's a it's a Weird relationship. Tice Tice had the same thing with uh, you know his guys when he was the line coach. He was much better off as a line coach than a head coach, and uh, it's they're just different cats. Uh, offensive line coaches.
4: Oh, totally. I mean, there was you know you, you're you're not going to get Riley Reese to say much. Uh, Nick Easton probably not the same. There's you know there's a few there's a few guys on the offensive line. line's definitely a go to. Um, you know, at least it was his season. But those are guys who never really sought out the spotlight. Um, to, and I, try, I always try to describe this in um, in the way that Case Keenum said it perfectly last year when I asked him about Elfline and I think it really embodies Tony, it embodies the entire group. It's that emoji face, you know, an emoji face, like on the cell phone, like the, the one that has like the eyes that are aligned and the mouth that's aligned, like you basically look blank. <laughs> he said that you know, when something goes right, he made the face that looked just like that. You know, that's what Line looks like when something goes wrong. Same face. I mean, mm-hmm. these guys are, you know, as e- even keel as they come, and they're not going to show a whole ton of emotion. I mean, they are the, the backbone of this team and a very big reason why this entire group got to the NFC Championship and, you know, had a 13-3 and record last year. And, you know, you take a look at Tony's lasting legacy, um, certainly, the Wildcat there in in Miami, and, and you know taking a one in fifteen team to the playoffs, and, and you know the AFC title. But what he did here in the last two years, despite all of the circumstances that this entire team dealt with, with you know losing an offensive coordinator midseason, everything that Mike Zimmer went through, losing Teddy Bridgewater, and, and on top of that, everything that happened last year, the success that they had to have the number seven rushing game in the country going from dead last in 2016 is as much a testament to Pat Shermer as it is to, to Tony Sperano.
2: Hey, uh, Courtney Cron- Cronin's with us, covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. Any uh, word from Winter Park on what kind of uh, plans there are for uh, for a funeral, for any anything like that? Or do we know what's going on?
4: Have not heard anything specifically yet. Um, we will hear from Mike Zimmer on Wednesday. And I would imagine that arrangements will probably be in place. Um, you know, logically, at the end of the week, they have a shorter day on Friday. I'm not sure if that will be the day that they decide to do it when veterans report. But you know, the NFL is one of these well-oiled machines. I spoke with um, several people out over at um, in Eagan today. You know, just checking in to see how things are going, and it's been a really tough day. Uh, and a lot of people inside that building. Tony was well loved, well revered, and well respected. And. You try to think that the NFL is going to you know, keep moving on, next man up, but you got to. It's the human element that we're dealing with here. These coaches and these players and the staff members that knew them are grieving. This is a really tough set of circumstances at an incredibly inopportune time. Um, and you know, you, you, your thoughts just go out to them if they try to navigate this because nobody has the answers of how you're supposed to do this properly. His assistant coaches move around so much, and as you
2: say, nine teams. Uh, do we? Where is he from? Where? What's home for Tony? Uh,
4: New, I believe it's New Haven, Connecticut. So okay. he was out there, and he, and he coaches alma mater. It's where he got his start in all of this. And I mean, that's the story behind the the sunglasses. Uh, he was, yes. you know, in his native Connecticut when he was seventeen, working in a fast food restaurant, and had a hot oil splash into his eye. Um, and you know. Were well, those, I, those sunglasses are a signature, are synonymous with him as uh, you know his gruff exterior. But you know everybody knew he really cared about his players. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater's tweet to me, tweet uh, yesterday to me was the most telling part of this whole thing. like he cared about us. We were not just athletes in the eye of, of Tony Sperano. And I think the stories that you hear this week and, and the stuff that gets relayed, of course, football is going to be at the, um, you know, at the forefront, but how much of a family man Tony was. Uh, I spoke with Greg Olson yesterday, the Raiders offensive coordinator and I asked him his favorite memories to during the time. Uh that was his that was uh Sprano's offensive coordinator when he was handed the keys on an interim basis and you know, I was expecting him to talk about the the first win that they had, you know, getting Derek his first win and, and why that meant so much. But the first thing he brought up to me was his grandchildren. He loved those two. His daughter just got married. I mean, his sons are involved in coaching, and just the impact that he had with his family, and how much, you know, how big of a loss this is for them, and in, in the immediate group there, is just you can't state how big that is.
2: What uh, the offensive coaching staff is? Tony's Tony had an assistant, I presume, uh, of some kind. Uh, yeah, Andrew
4: Janaco, lo- who okay. is an assistant offensive line coach. Has
2: he been here a while? Or is he a
4: young guy? Young guy.
2: Okay, yeah. so.
4: Well, so, I mean, it's and it's one of those circumstances now, too, where, as you know, you say, you know, the machine doesn't stop. But, you know, at some point, and you, and you never know when the appropriate time is, they will have to, you know, that conversation is going to come up. I don't know if that's a conversation they're having today. Um, there's certainly options, whether you were, you know, when they get to this point, if you're going to promote from within or if you're going to look around the league to find potentially guys that are retired i mean you brought up a name like mike tice i mean he's somebody who did not get retained on john gruden's staff um i know that that's happened in circumstances before where you know tragedy strikes and you have to find somebody uh right away you know that may be the route that they go i don't even know if they're there thinking about that yeah. yet just because of how tragic
2: this was all right hey courtney uh, thanks for your time yeah, appreciate All it. All right, uh, Courtney uh, Cronin uh, uh, covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. I uh, it's a little different than the Corey Stringer situation, obviously, but uh, kicking off a uh, football season with something like this is uh, that's the not, first thing not, I thought not, of too. Not yeah. There though, for sure. And uh, they are different cats, man. Offensive linemen and their coach are it's it's uh, like. Us against the world. Well, and I mean, you could tell your are teammates, but it's you
0: against the world. And you could tell too, Pat, the outpouring of of you know condolences from all over the the league mm-hmm. on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. It was everywhere. That guy was beloved.
2: Yeah, you know, he took all that heat in Oakland when he first took over there because of the, we're burying the past, and then, of course, they still stunk. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but uh, he's, uh, you know, I I, I didn't know him, but uh, obviously, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to... Zim loves, let's face it, Zim's a crusty old coach who loves having crusty old coaches around yeah. him. And uh, this is uh, this has got to be a blow to him sure.
1: Wildcat, man. When, yeah. they, when they went into Foxboro that <laughs> afternoon and hung 40 that's, points on Belichick, and that wildcat last, with Ronnie Brown and those guys. That's
2: the last time New England didn't win the division. Yeah. That's 10 years ago, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, when,
1: yeah. 14
2: out of 15. Yeah, 2008 won. it was, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. All right, we'll be back. Johnny Height, tell me if you're going to give the Twins line up here so I can plug my ears. I'll please. give you plenty of
3: warning. How's that? <laughs> hey, all righty. I don't want to hear it. Please mutts. Uh, this woof, update woof, woof. <laughs> is sponsored by Hotels.com. With Hotels.com, get rewarded from seaside cabins in Oregon to five-star resorts in Mexico. Hotels.com has all the options, and for every 10 nights you stay, you get one free. Hotels.com, you do you and get rewarded. Free nights don't include taxes and fees.
0: Right, you're here by circle. <laughs>
3: Twins now in Toronto after losing three straight. You got to stop making it so fun to get you riled up. By the way,
1: <laughs> Pat, that's not to tell on you, us. It's on you. I have man. to tell you, when the <laughs> Twins are good, I love working with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. When the Twins are bad, it is like <laughs> oh. it is life changing <laughs> oh working with you.
2: <laughs> I was there, Harmon and Bobby Allison, <laughs> two grand slams and one inning, eleven runs, nineteen sixty-two. This was the future. These were my guys. Now they're out there diving on your head <laughs> and giving up three run homers to Drew Butera that don't even leave the park. The only way he could possibly get one.
3: <laughs> Twins. Go, Drew.
2: Go. Come on, baby. <laughs> go you on can
3: do it. to get it. Oh. Twins are in Toronto after losing those three in Kansas City. Aldoberto Mejia pitches for the Twins tonight against righty uh, Luis Santos. Uh, Irv Santana will make an appearance finally uh, in this series also. He'll start the last game of the series, which is a day game on Wednesday. He had that surgery on a finger. was due back originally, they said, in late April, early May, but he had some setbacks. Now he's ready to go. Uh,
1: here's your warning, Alberto
2: here, though, it's good, because last time I saw him pitch, it was wriggly and I thought he was going to oh, die of yeah. heat exhaust. <laughs> was, was he
1: 195 pounds then?
2: <laughs> he, 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 he lost 30, so he, he'd have to lose 80 to would, get to 100. Would
0: he pounds. and Big Bobby Wilson combine for the largest <laughs> battery <laughs> mate tandem <laughs> in baseball?
3: By the way,
2: his last time out in... Uh, what, he give up eight runs in an inning and two-thirds in Rochester or something? But go get him up. Get him up. Get, get him. He's okay. Go get him out. It was you or Zach Littell. <laughs> Stack pitch. Well, they had to take somebody off the rooster. I don't know who they did. They had to take somebody off the forty. Not man. Trevor Motter.
0: They just brought him up. Taylor or What's his name? Pl- yeah. No, Taylor. I
2: mean not off the twenty man. Somebody off the forty. Oh. Mm. Here's the lineup. I'm plugging my
3: ears. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Got Mauer leading off at first base. Rosario in left field. Dozier at second base. Escobar hits cleanup plays third base. Logan Morrison DHs in the fifth spot. Or a Polanco at shortstop, Max Kepler in center field, Mitch Garver catching, and Robbie Grossman in right field hitting ninth. Uh, what Robbie other... should resign hitting ninth in that collection. of crap. He uh, he's hitting <laughs> over
1: three hundred in July. I heard the other day. Yes, he's having. A, he should hit fourth. <laughs> I think he has a few times already. Yes,
3: he he's hit everywhere lately. Uh,
1: what ben other
2: Mahler wishes he fired him. <laughs> Middle of September. I bet he wishes they never made the playoffs last year, so he had to get stuck with a three-year contract to manage these
3: mutts. <laughs> one other uh, Twins note: uh, Ken Rosenthal says the Twins have been approached by one team about dealing both Brian Dozier and Eduardo Escobar in the same trade. Uh, he says he has no official word, but says it's the Milwaukee Brewers that are interested. Yeah, they posted. need a shortstop
2: and a second baseman. Yes,
3: exactly. Uh, the uh, kid at the or the guy at the Cubs game. Everybody lay off him. That didn't give the ball to the kid. Yeah, uh, because he had given that same kid a ball earlier, mm-hmm. and he had given balls to three different kids in the crowd. Okay, during that ball game. But that's according to everybody who was sitting around him.
2: So, uh, well, how does he get every foul ball? That's what well, I. Want he to
3: ended know. up with four of them, from what I read. Mm-hmm. And uh, the this one that you know everybody complained about uh, yeah. in, in the video. He took a picture of it with his wife, handed it to his wife. They took a picture, and he gave that one to a kid in his same row a different kid mm-hmm. so all the kids yeah. around him got baseball. So. <laughs> but
2: he and Parkman
3: are the same now. They can't go oh, to the ballpark anymore. Are you people actually discussing this? My God. The venom yesterday oh, was, was unbelievable yeah. on Twitter. Well, you, you idiots. Complete idiots. Mm-hmm. This is why Twitter... The- all of you that talk about this dumb topic. Mm-hmm. well, okay, Kenny's. You should be like me when <laughs> I got... Was your weekend? Well, you should be Fantastic. like me when I got the one in the
2: press box and pretended like I was going to throw it to a kid and then... Didn't.
1: There you go. You should have pretended.
2: But then I Came down three innings later and gave
1: it. To I just when love, Nobody was looking. I just <laughs> love when. I just love when Royce and Kenny are both just fired oh, up yeah. in the same segment. <laughs> well, it's such it's a so
3: ridiculous. <laughs> w- is this what the world has come to? Stop yes. talking about this yeah. crap.
2: We all got to be nice to kids, you know.
3: Little oh. brats. And then okay, they, thank you.
2: Or, then they could get <laughs> strep throat and turn into complete maniacal idiots. Hey. Have you ever heard, seen those stories? I know what you're
0: going to say. Yeah. Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard. Did he was hanging out with yeah, Leland.
2: He had he's got hoof and mouth he's disease. Got what Lee, uh, yeah, yeah. What Oberman, was, Oberman was back on late night sports center mm-hmm. last night and he was just going, I come back and the Mets, my Mets got a guy with hoof and mouth disease. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, did
0: you hang around Noah Syndergaard? <laughs> That's what he was not doing. Real. We got to go here. Yeah,
3: oh, guys. yes, we do. Hoof and mouth. Possesses.
0: Yeah, something yep, it Hoof.
3: exists. Unfortunately, although the rule is a Mueller rule and is not widely known as others, and I should know better, I've been in the sport for a long
2: time, and I've always been diligent in making that, making sure that I know what I can and cannot put in my body. Uh, you know... It's just hard not to think that this guy was blessed with amazingly good looks, wonderful body, you know, trained his life off, you know, trained every moment of his life. But boy, is he a blockhead. Wow. Ryan Lochte, <laughs> he's proven it virtually every time he attempts to do an interview. And today it happened again uh, when it was revealed that Ryan Lochte has now been suspended until July 2019 for sending out, it was an Instagram or Twitter? Instagram,
1: right? They might have been Instagram. Instagram
2: photo of himself getting an intravenous injection in May, which is banned under anti-doping rules unless it's been pre-approved. So he gets a 14 month old ban retroactive to may 24th and announced by the usa drug enforcement associate you know because it it basically they had no choice because he did not get it approved ahead of time what an idiot but he's just a big lunk isn't he what just a <laughs> dummy of all time he was suspended 10 months for the thing that happened in rio the bar fight or whatever the hell it was down there and uh he also forfeited a $100,000 in his olympic medal bonus money and and barred from uh, banned from competing in last year's national and world championships now he's got another <laughs> suspension what doesn't he have anybody he, he's a money making machine doesn't he have anybody telling him well, do he put that out there be, didn't he have a Ryan, falling stop out with being his, an idiot was it his yeah. mom
0: that was kind of his manager And did they have somewhat of a falling out after the Olympics? Well, Mom
2: probably told him he was a dummy. Probably. (laughs) Mom was his big defender down there, Mm -hmm. though, right? In in Rio? I
0: think so, yeah. yeah. Hey, Ryan, did you have any thoughts on your
2: bar fight? I've seen uh, maybe a restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) He's a dummy. Uh, This isn't an official late hits, but uh, another item. Troy Merritt, a much brighter individual... (laughs) Uh, formerly of Spring Lake Park and briefly at Winona State. Uh, you know, oh, that's that was, right that yeah. was the only he was a very good basketball player at Spring Lake Park and then he uh, he and David Backus were there at the same time Spring Lake Park mm. so, you know he was playing hockey and uh, pretty good senior class and then he he transferred he was playing at Winona State. he transferred out to Boise State and had one year when he won four or five tournaments, he was the winningest golfer in the country. I ended up, I called him up out there and did a column on him when he was Boise. Well, today uh, he won his second ever tournament on the uh, PGA Tour. Uh, he won the 2015 Quicken Loans, the one in Washington that's uh, moving. And then he won today, he won the Barbasol Championship of Kentucky. Now it's opposite the British Open. So you don't get the best of the best there. But it was a good field, Billy Horschel and some of those guys. He was in a four-way tie halfway through the the final round today. You saw at Carnosti where they hadn't had any rain and it was brown as could be. They had five inches of rain during this tournament in Kentucky. Wow. And uh, they were playing today. I watched it. There was nobody out there watching because it was carried over to Monday. And every time they hit a shot, there was a big mud splash coming out. But uh, Troy Merritt ends up winning it. He had a 567 today. He started with a 62 in the first round. He wins at 23 under. So you better Woo. be ready to uh, one shot ahead of three different players. So Troy Merritt, good for him. And I do believe this gets him to Augusta. So, and nice. it also moves him up to uh, somewhere in the 60s in the uh, 65th in the FedEx Cup points list. Really good kid. So good for him. <laughs> And one other item, uh, and we mentioned this earlier. On Saturday night, for the first time in 13 years, they they opened what they call Mount Davis at the Oakland Coliseum, the mm-hmm. the big bleacher that they build up on top, the big grandstand that they build way up on top at Oakland Coliseum for the Raiders when Al Davis moved them back. 56,310 showed up, and I don't think they had any special promotion. Or well, they are playing was, the Giants, they right? They were playing the Giants, yeah. yeah. And they beat them 4-3 to three with a walk-off uh, uh, walk off from Jonathan uh, LaCroix. He walked to walk it off, I think. Or he don't run, I'm not sure. Anyway, they won 11 innings, but they drew 56,310. And they uh, made people act, think they're serious about uh, trying to get in the wild card. They traded for uh, Familial, mm-hmm. the, uh, reliever, the Mets closer. The, the Mets, Mets closer. Yeah. So uh, and didn't give up much, from what I
0: could see. No, it was a couple of mid-level prospects at best. And, but they also gave, I think, international bonus money or something oh, like that. Oh, the old international oh,
2: yeah. bonus money. You know, but, and that's why I want and, those
0: guys to figure out their stadium because that's a good baseball town. And the A, I,
2: I want the A's to figure well, it's it a, out. Well, it's, it's a completely different. Baseball town. San Francisco has the you know the kind of the special folks who've been giant, and then they got the blue collar. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's a it can be a dangerous place. When sure, a whiskey. Out sure, the mm-hmm. Coliseum. But uh, it is it is astounding. Now it's only for two more years, but it is astounding. The worst stadium in America is the only one that has both an NFL and and uh, MLB team. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's the only, Oakland Kyle seems the only one that's got both of them. Yeah. Nobody's got both anymore, except that place. But uh, uh, 56,000 show up there, and wow, as you say, the bathrooms must have been under stress. <laughs> yes, they probably <laughs> were. They've had a few explosions there through the years. We'll be back.
4: Quiet, please.
3: We'll be on the air. And now.
2: John Landis, Steven Spielberg, Joe Dante, George Miller. These acclaimed directors take you to another dimension. A journey into a wondrous land whose only boundaries are your imagination. Next stop, The Twilight Zone. The uh, the Twilight Zone the movie was being filmed in July of 1982 and that is of course the trailer for it. Once it was finished, there was a little problem in the filming on this date in 1982. As I said, Vic Morrow, who was the star of the John Landis John Landis, there was four different stories. He was the star of the John Landis one. And uh, there was a scene in which he had a Vietnam flashback, and he's carrying uh, two kids to safety in a battle. And they were two child actors, six years old, Renee Chen and uh, Micah Lee. And uh, he's carrying them. At, they were filming at night. He's carrying them through this water, and there's a helicopter right over hand, and they're shooting off fireworks, Uh, you know kind of like like there's a battle going on there well the uh helicopter was flying too low and the the jolt from the uh fire from the uh weapons the blast was more than they expected the the helicopter went careening into more and the two kids, he dropped one of the children. He was decapitated. One of the children was decapitated. The other one was crushed. So, uh, three people uh, were killed on that day, July 23rd, 1982, the filming of uh, The Twilight Zone. Uh, Morrow had been the star of a popular TV series called Combat. He was always a. He always played a very. Uh, A very disturbing guy sure and he was in a twilight zone episode of the of the original twilight zone which is one of their more famous ones but uh, there was a long long lawsuit there was criminal charges the whole thing Uh, they ended up uh, the the family's lawsuits uh, ten month trial and uh, all five defendants were acquitted in the thing including Spielberg Warner Brothers and uh, Twilight Zone and John Landis and the whole deal but uh, it was released in the summer of 1983 to mixed reviews for good reason. Anyway, uh, on this day was the day that
3: uh, that uh, horrible uh, movie-making tragedy took place.